friends and welcome to the secret podcast on service of change radio where we challenge reality question at which we've been taught and hope to inspire a new direction of thought to bring about change i'm your host dennis nappy the second with service of change at serviceofchange.com where you can read my book i am human and we are not who we think we are just by subscribing to my free e-newsletter the seeker newsletter you get the link sent right there to you a lot is going on in the world this uh, this week, this month, this very day, this very moment. Terror has struck Paris, France the other day. Uh, more terrorists have attacked and killed over 100 people. It seems senseless. And, of course, social media is blowing up. What does it all mean? Where are we going? People calling for blood. People calling for peace. Is war or some other terrorist incident unavoidable. I am not sure, but I don't like the way things are looking. But I think the main purpose of this show tonight is I want to talk about an alternative train of thought on this because I've been saying it for months, for well over a year, if not longer, that we are continually divided. We're continually being divided. Um, But this is an issue that's so sensitive and it's so emotional that is, is it's almost guaranteeing an emotional trigger response in one direction or the other that's creating conflict, which, you know, I think is used against us as a people. And, uh, you know, if you've read I Am Human, you'll understand my thoughts why I think that's happening. It's all for the energetic output that we have here. Bear with me for a minute if you're thinking that I'm going off the deep end once again. There's some some things I want to get into to talk about this, but Let's. I just want to think about this refugee crisis right now because what's what's coming out in the news now is that one of the terrorists has now been linked to someone who is a Syrian refugee and sought asylum in Greece and made his way into the West and eventually into France where he ended up taking part in the murder of all of those people there in France in the, in the terrorist attack. So now everybody's afraid of the refugees and rightfully so. I mean, is this a Trojan horse? Are they hiding? I mean, ISIS is claiming that they are hidden within these refugees and they have already made their way into the United States. I think they said something uh, a few months ago, it came out that they had them in, you know, different States throughout the U S and they were just waiting for their moment to make an attack. So they're definitely spreading that fear among, uh, among the world really, uh, you know, and they, and they have 
proven themselves to be able to extend their arm and reach out to people. Uh, now we just saw, I just saw that there's over 10,000 refugees that are now in San Francisco and they're starting to send them out throughout the uh, rest of the United States. Over tw- or 20 governors now on CNN.com have stated that they will not accept these refugees. They're, they're saying, um, not in my state. And I'm um, looking at a map now put out by CNN.com. I'll try to link this in the show notes at serviceofchange.com. But it looks like Washington, Colorado, Pennsylvania, Vermont, Delaware, and uh, there's one more. I can't see it right now. Um, New Hampshire. Uh, I'm sorry. No, it's not New Hampshire. I can't. Nope. Anyway, those states are saying they will allow refugees, uh, you know, a place to stay. There's another website, I'll try to find it again, and it lists, it, there was a uh, Catholic charity that's been housing families, uh, and, and they have places set up all throughout the U.S. where these families can go and take refuge. Um, the first thing I want to I say is that the majority of these people aren't terrorists. And I remember two or three years ago, sitting in my classroom with my students, stopping my lesson and pulling up some video to show my students what was going on in Syria. You have women and children, you know, witness being a part of this and men obviously too, but you have innocent civilians, victims that are being killed by bombs, by gunfire, by chemical attacks. And it's a very, very sad situation. So the first thing that I throw that I want to throw out there to think about is what if that were you? Because that was immediately what came to my mind. Oh my gosh, if that was me, what would I do? You know, would I fight? Would I run? You know, those of you that have read my book service, you understand I, I did serve in the military. So I do have that training and that, that, um, that instinct within me, but I've got two children now and, and it's a game changer. And there's a lot of people with families out there, you know, I, I don't want war. I don't want a state of war. If if war happens here, I don't want to be anywhere near it. I, I have I, I, I have my two children to worry about. You know, um, I'd like to avoid it at, at all costs. Um, but it looks like in some cases that, you know, it's being thrust upon us. But my point is, these people have been through a lot. And now... They are, in essence, they have become what seems like a Trojan horse, where the enemy is hiding amongst them, waiting for their moment for us to fall asleep, to jump out and to strike us in the night and to shed more blood and to get more of that media attention and to spread more fear. And that is the key. And that's what I'm focused on right now. And that's what I want us to be aware of is that it's fear, 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 fear. Be afraid, be afraid, be afraid. Hate, 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 hate. Because it's an emotional reaction right now. It was a terrible, terrible tragedy what happened. But there's a bigger picture here. And it's something we need to be aware of because this happens again and again and again. And what I have talked about in my book, I am human and we are not who we think we are. And that's exactly what I'm saying. We are not who we think we are. There is more to us. There is more to the world around us that we are failing to acknowledge and to realize. Okay. 
and I, and I want us to think about this for a minute um, and, and to listen to some of the things that, that I'm going to that I'm going to pull up. Uh, what sort? I'm going to talk. You know, I'm going to quote from from Genesis. I'm you know going to pull the Bible out for a minute. I am not a religious guy. I'm not going to throw scripture at you. Uh, I just want to reference some things, um, and, and then you know have a discussion about it. But we need to take a, a, a long, hard look at at who we are. And I'm looking at some of the older texts, uh, and the Bible is a pretty popular book among a lot of you know around the world. And uh, I, I just want to reference that for a minute. So if you look at, at Genesis chapter 3, 16, this is right after, you know, the serpent tempted Eve and she ate of the fruit and, and gave it to Adam. And, you know, so God found out and he says, Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children and thy desire shall be to thy husband and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground for it. Out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. So God's pretty pissed off because Adam and Eve ate some fruit from the tree he told them not to eat. And he said some pretty horrible things, and that sounds like a pretty horrible punishment. Uh, you know, again, unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception, in sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. That doesn't sound like a pretty, a very good deal. And he kicked them out of, out of the garden, you know. And, and he said, uh, "The Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever." He has become one of us. Now, this is a whole different argument, but who is us? And I'm going to tie this into everything I just spoke about, I promise. But, you know, that's a whole other issue to sit there and wonder about. We are not who we think we are. And that is my point. And religion has been used to pull the wool over our eyes. This book being a part of that, in my humble opinion. There is more to us. And, I, and my, my question comes, again, I said I was a parent. No matter what my children have done, I would never condemn them to that type of suffering. And I would, if hell exists, I would never send them to hell for an eternity. There's nothing my children can do where I will say, you will never be forgiven. You're going to burn in hell for all of eternity. That is problem number one that I have. And I think we need to question that. We, we need to understand who we are and who these supernatural beings that we tend, you know, offer worship to, who they are. Came across another book written by Robert Monroe of the Monroe Institute. And I've spoken about him in other podcasts. And what I love about Mr. Monroe is that he studied consciousness and he studied 
the human body and he studied uh, altered states of consciousness and, you know, which led to some understanding in spirituality and another piece of the puzzle of who we are. And in one of his travels outside of his body, and he developed a technique where he's able to use, you know, hemi-sync technology, it's tones and sounds that, you know, uh, resonated at a certain frequency in your, you know, within your ears and that your brain reads it, I think, at four hertz. And it's able to induce these out-of-body states. The pe- they're able to leave their body. They're able to go to another room and say, hey, here's what's going on in this room. They're able to verify. They're able to test it. I mean, this is a proven thing here. So... This isn't science fiction. This isn't hocus pocus. This is something he's able to do. And during these states, they started to encounter different forms of intelligence. And in one of his journeys, he wrote about this in his book. His book is called Far Journeys on page 168. This, for me, is really a powerful passage that I'm about to read. And it drives a lot of the research that I'm doing for my next book, I'm Human Food for the Archons. But it talks about, it sounds a lot like the creation story that he was, he was shown. These higher, you know, intelligent beings showed him this scenario. And it, it reads a lot like the creation story. And basically what it said was that he, he called it somebody, you know, at, which was the equivalent of God in this story. And he said, somebody needed this substance called Lush. Lush was basically energy for these beings. And he said that he created a garden and tended to the garden. And there were different crops that he called them. And the crops, based on descriptions, plant life, you know, small animals that ate the plants, a little bit larger animals that ate them. And he started to realize that when the animals were in conflict a more pure form of louche was produced. So he started to, to create different species in order to generate conflict. Well, you're going to crave meat and you're going to be meat. So you're going to fight this guy and you're going to want to stay alive. And you know, the, the, um, conflict between them would start to produce some of this loose. So here's a, here's a passage, uh, uh, you know, from that. He found his momentary touch of distilled loose emanating in one of the units of the fourth crop, which by then had filtered throughout the plantings of the second crop. The flash came during the unusual action of this unit as it entered into a life terminating struggle with another fourth crop unit. Then alone would not create distilled loose. Someone knew and he probed deeper for the source. The fourth crop unit was not struggling in conflict over an ingestible remnant of the weaker fourth crop unit or a tasty frond from a nearby second crop stem or to avoid termination of life and ingestion by the other conflicting fourth crop unit. It was in conflict to protect and save from life termination three of its own newly generated species huddled under a large second crop unit waiting for the outcome. So the first thing that he understood that this creator learned was that the louche was produced based on fear. When, an, when an, a unit, as he called it, was afraid, it produced louche. So these creatures were created to generate fear, to intimidate each other. And he said some of them had different weapons based on their bodies to kill 
Uh, some had were fast, you know, had a, a speed to get away to to prolong the the chase and the fear and the fight because that fear is what kept them alive. And then what he discovered was that when one is fighting in defense of what it loves of its offspring, the loosh is even more pure. So uh, that resonates with me when I think about the world that we live in right now. How many people during that terrorist attack were afraid for the people they were with? How many people watching that unfold in that area or on the news around the world were afraid for the people that they cared about that were they were there? How many people now in this world are afraid that there's terrorists hiding among these Syrian refugees that are being threatened to be sent into our own backyards. How many people in this world are afraid? How many different types of crises do we encounter every single day on the news, in the media, through social media, through Facebook? There are scary things that happen. It happens in our day-to-day life. We find ways to be afraid. And then the media tends to make it worse and they tend to play on those fears. Are we producing that louche? Are we producing that energy? The more I research, the more I read, the more I watch events unfold in the world around us, the more I am inclined to say, yes, we are. In my book, I am human and I, we are not who we think we are. When I started to come to this realization, it was because I was trying to walk a spiritual path. And I said, let me be one with nature. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read an excerpt from my book and, and what I came to understand. Pretty much the same conclusion. And this was before I read this work by Robert Monroe, before I knew anything about it. This is why it, it scared me so much. So uh, let, me, let me read this here. It's from the, cha- uh, the chapter called Nature in my book. Having gained a little more clarity in my search, I set my sights on better grasping the concept of God in hopes of finding a spiritual path to direct my life. Believing that God was a supreme deity responsible for the creation of all life, I felt compelled to look at all life to see if I could further comprehend my own path and the human condition. During this journey, I had come to understanding that all life was sacred and all life warranted respect. I developed an opposing an opposition to killing things and took great pride in capturing and releasing the occasional spider that would find its way into the dark corners of my home. This ideology felt wonderful. I experienced a closer connection to nature and to all life around me until one day I found a small wasp's nest on my property. My initial instinct was to kill the wasps with toxic chemicals and protect myself and my two dogs from their painful stings. But killing would counteract my newfound philosophy of respecting all living things. In examining this situation, I tried to understand why I wanted to kill these creatures. The answer was quite clear. They were dangerous. They built a nest on my property, and if provoked, even by accident, they would react violently against me, causing terrible pain throughout my body with their stinging rage. It seemed like a valid argument, but but then I wondered... What if I was living in the garden of something more powerful? Would it be fair for this keeper of the garden to terminate my existence simply because of my people's tendency toward violence and destruction? The mere thought of this powerful being trying to kill me ignites a violent defensive instinct in me. 
I am the wasp and I am the keeper of the garden. I was so bothered by this concept that I spent several days trying to find the right course of action for these wasps. In the process, I began to understand more of what was written in my essay, That Chaotic Night in 2009. I read articles and watched videos and what I learned was the na that nature could be extremely cruel. Wasps, like every other creature, required life to sustain life. Some species of wasps even invaded other colonies of insects to kill them and steal their hordes. This wasn't the beautiful, loving balance of nature I had come to embrace. It was a cruel, violent world that required death in order to sustain life, and I was no different. As above, so below. I am the wasp, and I am the keeper of the garden. In the end, I made the choice to kill the wasps because of their potential for violence. I felt terrible for doing it, but I was too afraid to risk an experiment of cohabitation, considering the painful consequences of misjudgment. Through this process of understanding, I wondered... Why did God design our existence to require the death and sometimes suffering of all forms of life in order to survive? If God was so loving, why was the very basis of life dependent on death and why did religion seem to reinforce the importance of such suffering? I am the wasp. So that, you know, is a very powerful realization that I came to. If God created everything, God created a world. He created the world designed for suffering and that scares me and what we're seeing right now is more suffering more war is that how we're designed or is there more to it was it God or was it something else pretending to be God and that's where I what I am starting to figure out and that's what I'm starting to find and that's why my book is titled food for the archons the imposters the ones who are posing as God and filling our heads with these thoughts of submission and slavery basically is what we have become. And I know I'll probably turn a bunch of people off with what I'm saying, but you have to think about it. Look at the basic design of life around us. We were, were either built this way or we've been influenced to act this way. And the more I read, the more I'm tending to find, I think we've been influenced to act this way. And now I'm seeing page after page, thread after thread of hatred towards the Islamic people and towards Muslim people. And because now everybody's a terrorist and they're finding all these ways to label them. And you know what? Hitler did the same thing against the Jews. He put out propaganda saying what horrible people they were and it got the you know, everybody in Germany behind the, the slaughter and the murder of all the Jews in the concentration camps. I'm not going to talk about the religion of Islam. I'm not going to, you know, sit here and, and get into that level of stuff right now. What I am going to say is that I think we're being misled and I understand our fear and I understand our desire to defend ourselves. And it's, it's, it is warranted right now. We are in scary times but until we take a step back and look at what the bigger picture is and the bigger cycle, because this happens and it happens and it happens and it happens and we're going to, we're going to have more incidents come up and we're going to address this one. There's going to be more violence that happens as a result of this one until we can stay, take a step back and say, what the hell is going on here? There's something more. We're going to keep chasing our tail. This most recent terrorist incident is a symptom of a greater problem. 
you know, you, you have a runny nose because you have a virus. You can blow your nose and treat the symptom temporarily, or you can, you know, take a Sudafed and a temporarily treat the symptom, or you can rest and you can start eating healthy and you can, you know, take that garlic like I'm always talking about and boost your immune system to drive that virus out of your system. There is a virus out there and it's infect, infecting our minds and our thoughts and our actions and we need to understand it. So that's all the time I have. I actually went over time. I'd love to hear your thoughts on uh, everything I talked about tonight. My intent is not to offend you, but we need to think about this. We need to think long and hard about what's going on here um, because there's more to it, you know, and, and you just have to do a, a Start, start doing your homework, start doing your research, start comparing notes, and start questioning everything that you've been taught because what we're doing now isn't working. Things like this keep happening. People die. People suffer. And, and I don't think that we should. We shouldn't have to. And don't say that's just the way life is. That's just how. If that's the way life is, well, then it's a crappy design. And we need to find a better way. And the only way we can do that is to understand who we are. That's all the time I have. I, I, I encourage you to please read my book, I Am Human, and We Are Not Who We Think We Are. You can read it for free. It's a short read. It's, it's only, uh, what is it, 29 pages. Uh, and, and you can read it online just by subscribing to my free newsletter at serviceofchange.com dot, dot I'm slash I am human. Let me say that again, serviceofchange.com slash I am human. Read it for free. Uh, and I'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback on it. I, I, you know, these conversations need to be more commonplace, um, you know, so we can get to the bottom of this and, and really understand what's going on. Again, if I offended you, my apologies, but this is, this is how I'm feeling. This is the, the things that I've been studying for well over 15 years, and I'm putting this stuff together now. So um, give me some feedback, please. Shoot me an email. Hit me up on Facebook. Uh, you know, comment in the, uh, the, the thread, the, uh, you know, in the show notes. Okay, that's it. I'm out of here. Thank you so much you know, for, for listening. You can find us on SoundCloud. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us at serviceofchange.com. Many ways to listen. You can find us in the secret newsletter as well. Once you subscribe, you'll get this, these shows sent to you every week once they're done. So I'm Dennis Nappy II with Service of Change. This has been another episode of the Seeker Podcast. Remember that small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning and keep an open mind. Thank you. Seekers.